Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Looking over the middle. Hockey collapses. He takes off to the goal line. Touchdown, Stidham. Six the hard way. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we are, Raider Nation, kicking off hour number two of the show here on Raider Nation Radio 920. We kick it off with good friend of the show, Amber Theo Harris, Sirius XM NFL Radio. And Amber, thanks for your time this afternoon. It was great to catch up with you in the press box and actually meet you in person. And before we actually get involved into the game and everything, uh, you said you had some big things coming up for the Raiders this, uh, this upcoming season as far as your coverage goes. Tell everybody about it. Yeah, well, first of all, hi. It's great to be back on with you. It's always fun to check in with you and the gang there. Um, But, yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm excited about the Raiders' season. I think they're going to be a fantastic team. Um, I think, uh, you know, a couple weeks we'll have a a big announcement for everyone. But um, I I have been talking about this team um, all along on NFL Radio. I think it's a team that can win the AFC West. Um, and I think the expectations for the Raiders are the highest that they've been in years. So I'm looking forward to this season. Yeah, no, I think everyone's looking forward to it, and that was a professional tease right there from Amber, everyone. So that was a very well done. Keep everybody on the edge of their seat as a, as a big announcement's coming in a couple of weeks. We look forward to that. And as far as excitement and, and just you know uh, expectations for this team, You've covered the NFL for a long time. Have you seen a preseason game with that much energy like you did yesterday? Well, it was exciting. I and mean, that was my first game at Allegiant Stadium. Um, I was actually supposed to go, uh, I was assigned to the Ravens Raiders opener last year and uh, got COVID right before. Mm. So wasn't able to go and then just never was assigned to the Raiders game. So that was my first experience. And I couldn't believe it was. You know, week one of the preseason, I know it was the Raiders' second preseason game. Right. But just the fans, I mean, the way the fans were engaging with me, they were so, they were so excited uh, about this team. They had so many questions about the team. And, yeah, I mean, when you see Jared Stidham, you know, leap into the end zone, there's definitely a want and an energy, uh, you know, in a preseason game <laughs> that you don't often see. I mean, the way Zamir White ran um, was impressive. Um you know, seeing the, the linemen battling for jobs on the offensive line. I just feel like this is a team that um, kind of knows that this could be a big year for them, and, and they're going to put it all out there. And that's what I saw just in the preseason. So I can't wait to see the regular season. Yeah, the regular season should be a lot of fun to cover. And, of course, the AFC West is going to be a lot of fun to cover in general. Again, we're talking with Amber Thea Harris here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. So when you're watching a preseason game and you're looking at, you know, the depth and you're looking at these guys fighting for jobs, what what do you really, you know, draws your attention off top? Well, you know, usually when you're assigned to a team, you, you know all the storylines, you know the battles that are going on in camp. So you, you have your eye out for that. So, I came in looking especially at the offensive line. I wanted to get a good look at, um, you know, some of the some of the guys that were battling it out there. Um, what I look for is, if, you know, I do this all through the preseason wherever I am. There's clearly people that stand out. And I try not to, you know, like somebody like Zamir White, I'm going to say, okay, yes, I know he's a young draft pick. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to see what he can do. But then – it seems like every time somebody stood out and you look and you say, okay, okay, who's number whatever, 
then that that is who I tend to focus on. And if they stand out multiple times through multiple plays, then I start to look them up. I'll start to do research. You know, I'll say, okay, who is this guy? I'll talk to the beat writers um, to get a better idea. And usually those people that stand out are the ones that are winning the battles. Um, you can tell who wants it during these preseason games. Um, and that's, that's kind of what I saw yesterday. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's funny you mentioned the offensive line, and that's been one of the biggest questions, you know, as far as this team's going to go, who's going to be the starting five on that offensive line? And what Josh McDaniels has been doing through two games so far is mixing and matching, you know, seeing who fits where. And you know, Amber, that the offensive line has to be a cohesive unit. So at some point they've got to decide who's going to be those guys out there so they can all get on the same page. But do you like the approach that Coach McDaniels is taking while he's doing just that kind of mixing and matching and seeing what fits? Well, look, he's doing what what a coach is supposed to be doing that doesn't have starters in those positions, right? So right. it's kind of right now it's Colton Miller and everyone else. Mm-hmm. And that's not an optimal position to be in because usually you want to know, okay, we know who our starting guard is. We know who our starting right tackle is. Uh, we know who our starting center is. And that's not 100% the case. So I think, you know, that's I don't want to say a weakness. It's a question mark. It's an unknown um, and I, and, and as a good coach, a great offensive mind, Josh McDaniels is, is going to see, you know, right now, who's my right tackle and who's my swing tackle? Probably the two biggest positions. I, I, I like Thayer Munford. Um, I thought he did a great job at right tackle. Uh, the guy that started on the left, Jermaine, uh, why is his, uh, oh, Luminor. uh, Ella. Aluminor, thank you. Uh, he started the left tackle. You know, I know Colton Miller wasn't going to see action, um, but getting a chance to see Dylan Parham. I, look, he's, they, the, you know, if you don't have a right tackle, that's a difficult place to go into. Alex Leatherwood hasn't, hasn't played the way that, um, people would hope, uh, hasn't been available at times. So this could be a year maybe where he really steps up. Um, but it's, it's wide open right now. And I think by the third preseason game, um, hopefully we'll really start to see uh, certain guys go up and grab those positions. I think, I hope Raiders, I think Raiders fans are hoping to see that because if you're going into the season and there's still kind of some question marks, that makes me a little bit nervous during a year where I love the running back core you guys have. I love Derek Carr and the confidence and the leadership he, he showed through one of the you know most adverse seasons I've ever witnessed in NFL history. Um, there's just so many great things going on with this team that if, you know, if the offensive line doesn't play better than they did last year, they're not going to go deep into the playoffs. That was a major issue last year. Yeah, it really was. And so we'll see exactly how it all comes together. But that's what they're working on right now is trying to get that offensive line yeah. to, to come together. Again, we're talking with Amber Theo Harris here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man Damon's got one for you. Yeah, Amber, you mentioned that when you started the games, Amir White was going to be someone that you were paying attention to and looking at. When you left the game, who else stood out to you or someone was like, hey, this is going to be a guy to watch for the Raiders? Well, I have to be honest, I was there not even until halftime because my flight was leaving. <laughs> so so I, I got it early. I, I saw a couple series with the guys that first started out. So uh, Zamir was big. I know you guys, like, Keelan Coles knew, um, yep. was interested in looking at him. Isaiah Zuber was somebody that I know um, that there's kind of a buzz around. And same with, um, I was watching, is number one Tyron Johnson? Yeah. Is that number yep. one? Yep. Yeah. So I so like see 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 how I say numbers. That's because <laughs> I don't want to know their names. Like right. no, seriously. Like if you're if you're analyzing the play of these men, 
you don't want to know, you don't necessarily want to know their names in the preseason. I want to see who, I want to go, who's number one? And then I go, oh, okay, that's Tyron Johnson. That's somebody that, you know, one of the coaches told me to look out for today. You know, so then it kind mm-hmm. of, you piece it all together. Um, but I thought Tyron Johnson stood out um, to me along with, you know, keep an eye on Isaiah Zuber and, and Zamir White were the three, I think, for me, um, that I'm interested to see what their role could be with the team. Because the third receiver there, we don't really I mean, we don't really know who the third receiver is, right? Right. Yes. You know, it's yep. got Devontae Hunter, and I think it's it's open from there. So I was I was intrigued by you know which receivers could have an opportunity. Now, Amber, you mentioned that you like the running back room because the position is so deep, and I know you do a little bit of work with Michael Fabiano on the fantasy side. <laughs> so what? is going to be the key for these Raiders because I thought Derek Carr, maybe he throws over 30 touchdowns, but I think that this running back room is going to be so deep that they're going to rush. So what would be the key to maybe which Raider running back to maybe pick up on a fantasy team? Well, I mean, of course, you know, Josh Jacobs is, is going to be the lead back, but he has the injury history. Um, you know, there's times he wasn't on the field last year. So I, when I give fantasy advice, um, and I just did it today, I was on, did Michelle Beadle's podcast. You guys are probably familiar with her. We were talking running backs. I said, you know, I really don't, I really tend to stay away from running backs that have a history of injury um, because they make me nervous. Now, running back depth and fantasy is, all, we're always all just shallow, right? Somewhere midway through the season, we're like, where is another running back going to come um, that can help my team? Because it seems like running backs just get injured so much more than, I feel like even, you know, 10 years ago. And, and I don't know why. I've talked to Eric Dickerson about this theory. He has a lot of theories. I have a lot of theories as to why just running back from the NFL cannot stay healthy. So Josh Jacobs, I mean, if he can stay healthy, obviously he's going to be the number one uh, running back that can help. But, um, you know, I was talking to James Jones. Uh, about, he was out there at the game as well. He loves Amir Abdullah. He knew him well, um, thinks that he can really add something there. I, just, I love Amir White. Like, if I was going to pick up a later round, take a flyer on a running back for that team, it might be Amir White at this point. Yeah, I don't know. It, I just liked what my eyes saw, and I just feel like the upside is there. And it seemed like clearly Josh McDaniels wants to get as much of a look at him as possible. And when you see that, that shows that he wants to incorporate him. It, he has cr- plans for the season for him. It's crazy seeing Zamir out there, and he looks good. Then all of a sudden, Britton Brown, who was a seventh-round pick, he looks good. And you know what Josh Jacobs brings to the table, Kenyon Drake. It's like they have a, a embarrassment of riches at their running back position. It's going to be some tough decisions. And then Bolton, right? Yes. Bolton over there. Yep. From, uh, Josh brought him over from – and that guy can play too. So it's going to be interesting to see who makes the team. Right. How many they keep. So that's, yep. that's going to be interesting. I mean, like, you know, could somebody like Amir, you know, be with another team? Uh, at some point, uh, do they make, do, does he even make it? That's how deep the running back room is right now. Yeah, it's funny. I asked the question earlier today before the sh- as the show started about what position group do you think is going to be the toughest to make that decision on, and that was my answer was the running back room. It just it's too deep yeah. and it's too talented to just say, oh, this guy's going to make it and this guy's not going to make it because there's so many, like I said, there's so many questions and so much talent. Amber, what do you think as far as how Josh McDaniels could push Derek Carr this year? He put up 4,800 yards last season, which is great. Help the Raiders get to the playoffs. I think Josh McDaniels could push a lot of good buttons offensively. How, how do you think that translates with Derek Carr and his game this year? Well, I think the number one thing you can do to help Derek Carr is get better pass protection uh, from the yeah. offensive line. And unfortunately, we, didn't see, we haven't seen that in the preseason. We've seen great run blocking. Mm-hmm. That's what's exciting. We've seen great run blocking from that line. 
uh, Raiders line, but we haven't seen pass protection. So that's the number one thing. There were times where Derek Carr, you know, if you look at his turnovers, uh, take a look at the protection at the time. Um, also, because maybe this could be a strong, uh, you know, run-blocking offensive line, r- run the ball more. If Josh Jacobs is healthy, like the Raiders have never been a run-first offense. And, you know, with this running back room, let's lean more on the running game. Um, we all know that Derek Carr can put a team on his back and throw his way uh, into overtime and win a game uh, with his arms. But I think uh, what Josh McDaniels did last year, look at, at the success. You know, Mac, Mac Jones didn't have to throw the ball. Right. Now, Derek Carr's way above Mac Jones. But look at the success of how they used Damian Harris and uh, Ramondre Stevenson as the ones who punch in the backfield. If he can do that with, with a couple of the backs, um, that you have there in, in Vegas, I think that would be a great place to start to to help the offense in general, and therefore help Derek Carr. You mentioned the uh, wide receivers, Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro, and I know from previous conversations you're high on Hunter Renfro, what he could do in this offense. Uh, how exciting could could Hunter be out, coming out the slot? I mean, yeah, like everything that, that Josh McDaniel does um, – is, is from, you know, the offense works from the inside out, right? So, like, I'm excited not just for the slot receiver position for Hunter Renfro. I'm, I'm excited for Darren Waller. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, go, again, whenever you want to know what a guy likes to do, go back and see what he's done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so take a look at what Joshua Daniels has done. Um, and in his, in his career, it's always using the uh, Julian Edelman, the Wes Welkers, the slot receiver, then, then the Rob Gronkowski, um, you know, and I think that bodes well for Dar- Darren Waller as well. So I just, you know, everybody focuses on Devontae Adams, right? right? Like, oh, okay, now they've got this possession receiver. I mean, he's, he's a guy that's going to lead them to the promised land. If this team gets deep into the playoffs in the AFC and possibly win an AFC championship game, it's going to be big years from the slot receiver and the tight end, I believe, and that, and, in that Josh McDaniels offense. No, I agree. I agree 100%. And so it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting to follow, obviously. And the AFC West, again, is going to be a dogfight. Final question for you, Amber. You mentioned uh, the AFC West, and, and you see that there's a, a path where the Raiders could go win that AFC West if everything goes the way it's, you know, they planned it to go. What do you think about Kansas City losing Tyreek Hill? How massive is that, in your opinion? I think it's massive. And I, I people – let me think how to put this. People always say – you know, until somebody has knocked the Chiefs off their throne, they are my favorite to win the AFC West. And I get that. You've got to give a team that, you know, has continually won the AFC West their, their love, right? But when I say give me one reason that you think that they can win this division, it's, there's no strong argument other than, well, they have Patrick Mahomes. Right. That's the only argument. I mean, I've challenged people on this. I say, other than Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, who's going to lead this team to a Super Bowl? And it's not, it's not going to be the receivers that they have there. Like, Juju Smith-Schuster has never had the year that he had when um, Antonio Brown was in Pittsburgh. You know, he, ha- he kind of needed that number one to be that number two. He, he's, not, he's not going to step up and be the number one guy. Um, I'm just trying to think, like, who else they, they still have. They have... Um, McCall uh, Hardman, yeah. he was a great role player last year. I think he can do a little bit more, but is he a nut two number one? No. So when you take Tyreek Hill, like a guy that just can, um, I mean, just just blow the wheels off of everybody downfield, 
um, that's a big deal. And so now everybody's going to focus on Travis Kelsey. And uh, as far as CEH being healthy, you know, let's let's see what he can do in a year being healthy. But I'm not sold that 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 this is a you know a back that you know, I know he's versatile. I know he can catch out of the backfield. Um, I don't know if he's going to do like what Derrick Henry does with the Titans. You know, where you, get, right. you can just keep handing him the ball. And he's going to run it down your throat. And then the defense is my biggest concern with the Chiefs. There is nothing on that defense right now that scares me. And then losing Tyron Matthew, their kind of field general out there, that's big. When that happens, and I've been doing this a long time, when you lose kind of that captain on the defense, um, you see a little bit of regression, especially early in the season. So um, that I, I, I could make a case for the Chargers and the Broncos more so than the Chiefs at this point to win the division, to be honest. Boom, that's a mic drop moment right there from Amber Theo Harris here with us on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Fantastic stuff, Amber. Again, it was great to uh, finally meet you in person in the press box, and uh, I look forward to a couple weeks down the line when you have a big announcement to make, and uh, we'll get get you back on the show to talk about it. Yeah, well, I'll look forward to it. Always good to catch up with you, and it was great to see you in the press box. Now I, now I can say I met you in person. <laughs> there you go. Well, I appreciate your time this afternoon. Thanks a lot. All right, there she goes. Amber Theo Harris right there from SiriusXM. NFL does a fantastic job. Some great nuggets right there. What do you think about the conversation part about the Chiefs? She broke it down. She broke it down in a major way. I like that. And that's why we have her on. Uh, drops massive, massive nuggets uh, like that on us uh, throughout the course of the show. Damon, go ahead, man. You're laughing already. Yeah, Enrique, that's here in studio, one of our interns. He's he's sitting in. You know, he's going to be doing this every Monday yeah. now. But he says, man, she's going after everybody on their team. <laughs> <laughs> she's got, hey, man, that's why we have Ron. She's she got the knowledge. Point. Got the knowledge and has the understanding, man. I thought that was fantastic stuff. And as she mentioned, she has some, uh, a big announcement coming in a couple weeks, and hopefully I didn't spoil too much of it. But, uh, yeah, I just, I'll just i just tell you right now, she'll be closer to the Raiders than she's been uh, in a while. So, uh, yeah, I don't know the official wording and official everything, but that will be coming in a couple weeks, so make sure you look out for that. 319 is the time. Raider Nation, holla at us, man. 702-365-9200. Sam and Ash text line is 69187, keyword R&R. We have no more guests throughout the course of the show. We do have some uh, player locker room interviews that we're going to get to. Got cover three NFL news and notes. Got a lot to get to throughout the course of the show, but we want to hear from you as well. Again, 702-365-9200. Salmon Ash text line is 69187, keyword R&R. What position group do you think is going to be the toughest to make decisions on when it comes down to roster cuts? Let us know about it. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. On Raider Nation Radio. What position group will be the toughest when it comes time to make roster decisions? Let us know about it. 702-365-9200. Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. My man, Damon Cotton, he is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I am in the home studio right now. Uh, got a text from uh, your avid listener, Dusto26, on the Salmon Ash text line. Say, Q, what about the O-line group? After Miller, there's not a lot of space between the best and the last guy. Cotton probably has a leg up at guard, but everybody else? And that's, again, from Dusto26. And, yeah, you know, the offensive line, I think, is going to be tough decisions, but I don't think it's going to be tough decisions because everybody is really stinking good. I think it's going to be tough decisions to figure out who fits with who, right? Like you mentioned, Colton Miller is a lock at that left tackle spot. I think Andre James has that 
has the center spot pretty much locked up. We saw what Dylan Parham has been able to do so far. Uh, he, he's not terrible, but obviously it's, a, it's you know, the speed of the game is a little bit quicker. And, uh, you know, he's probably a, a, a season or two away from being a guy that you could really consider at that center position. But the good thing about Dylan Parham, he could play in a pinch any position, the left guard, the center, or the right guard position. I think – that the left guard position is, is wide open like some old school TV antennas, that competition, and I think the right tackle position is open. Uh, I do think Lester Cotton not only has a leg up on that, that right guard, but I think he's earned that right guard job. I really have. Now, I don't want him to hear me say that because, you know, sometimes people think that, hey, they've got this job already. I don't think the coaching staff is going to tell him that yet, but as long as he continues to do what he's doing, uh, he's, he's looking really good out there. I got to shout out my guy Adam Hill, man, because he was the first guy on Lester Cotton Jr. or senior, excuse me, um, a while back, like last year. <laughs> so uh, last year during training camp. So I got to give him credit for that. It looks like that's going to come through now. So uh, that right tackle position's open, and that, that left guard, it could be John Simpson. Uh, maybe it's a Jermaine Illuminor who looks like he could play uh, really uh, any position along that uh, offensive line. He's been doing some good things. He went from playing left tackle to start the game to all of a sudden playing right guard uh, in the second half. So, I mean, there's all kind of versatility along that offensive line. It's up to GM Dave Ziegler, Champ Kelly, and also Josh McDaniels to figure out what fits, what works the best. But uh, definitely want to hear from you at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to Operator Raider. Welcome to NSA Roughness. What's on your mind? What's happening, Q? Chilling, man. Yeah. Um, so, I've, I mean, everyone knows how stacked off the – running back room is in the wide receiver room, but no one's talking about how many D linemen we have. Like, we got two on the pup list that are projected starters, and then yesterday I was just like the O-line. I was getting lost with how many dudes are rotating in and out. Like, who are you going to keep on the D line? And some guys flash here and there, like Andrew Billings flashed yesterday, but, I mean, that's going to be a tough position group to evaluate as well, in my opinion. Yeah, no, that's, 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 a, good, uh, that's a good point. Um, that's a really good point, my man. I don't know how that defensive tackle position is going to go. I don't know, honestly, and we had Raider Matt call earlier in the show. I don't know if the 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 guy, the number one guy, is on the roster right now, right? I mean, because you've seen you've seen flashes as you mentioned, but then you also seen moments where you're like, oh, that's not too good. You know that that interior man. They did something in particular this offseason. They went out and got the big the big uh the big uglies, right? They went out there and got some guys that are 300 pound plus. Because they want to make sure they have an emphasis on stopping the run. Well, as you saw yesterday, there was no emphasis on stopping the run. Uh, it was like a sieve at one point. I mean, the, the, the Vikings were just running all over them. That's not a good look. They can't let that happen. There was a time, and I forget exactly what year it was, so I apologize for that, but it was the year that Namdi was the, the number one DB. And the Raiders had a great pass defense. Right, their pass defense was ranked like top three in the league, but their run defense was last. <laughs> right, and so if their run defense is going to be last, it doesn't matter how good you are against the pass because you're just going to get carved up. And that's what we saw yesterday. And I tweeted it out when it was happening. I said, "Hey, man, the Raiders are getting gashed right now uh, by giving up the run. It's not, it's not a good look." So uh, maybe those guys will uh, continue to develop. I know Hankins and, and Nichols are on the pup list right now. If they're out by the twenty, is still out on the twenty third, they're going to miss the first four weeks of the season. So that's why I say I don't know if the guy that they're they're looking for or the guys that they need are on the roster right now. Depending on how long they're going to be out. And Josh McDaniels talked to us earlier today and was non-committal on those guys getting back maybe by next week. So we'll see what happens. But looking at the calendar, man, it's the fifteenth. The twenty third is going to come around quick, fast, and in a hurry. But we'd love to hear from you again. Seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred. Demond, I know you got a call from Texas, but who is it, Tim? Tim in Texas. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? 
Uh, how y'all doing? Um, uh, if you look at the, the positions that uh, that that's going to probably be hard, it's going to probably be wide receiver. I know they got a collection of running backs and stuff, but uh, I think the wide receiver's position is going to be uh, the the one that's going to uh, be the hardest. But um, I, I, j- just looking at the games, especially the one, I mean, just when I looked at the Hall of Fame game and yesterday, the Raiders just looked like they looked totally different. They looked like it's totally different. It's like night and day. Like night and day. And I got the same vibe that you got when it came to uh, the penalties. Like we're at the beginning of the game when Minnesota was getting all those penalties on that drive. And because uh, the first time they threw that flag, I just knew that they was gonna like throw like a uh, a flag on us for like for uh, or something like that. But it was on Minnesota. Second time they threw a flag, I just knew it was the Raiders that had got the flag. <laughs> yep. But then it was Minnesota. And it's just, and I noticed that like right off the bat, I was like, "Wait a minute, this it, it just looks totally different." I mean, they look totally different to me. Yeah, I agree, Tim. Thank you for the call, my man. And that again, that stood out to me in a major way is the the lack of penalties and that very first flag that came out. You're right. I thought the same thing. That was a Jared Stidham pass to T. Billy. He caught it on the outside for a nice first down, and the flag came out. So I thought it was a push off or something. I thought, okay, maybe the official saw a push off. And then they called something like a, a, a personal foul, like a face mask. And I'll say this, I never saw a face mask. I was sitting next to Mark McMillan in the press box, and I said, where is the face mask? And he's like, I don't know. And then it looked like they called a, a hit to Jarrett Stidham's head because that's what we saw on the TV replay. I don't know what was the announcement was made on TV, but from our point of view, I didn't see holding. I didn't see pass interference. I sure didn't see no face mask. All I saw was a completion from Stidham to, to T. Billy on the outside, which was a really nice throw and catch. But to your point, not seeing the laundry on the, on the ground for the Raiders was a big deal. Again, Raider Mac brought up another good point about special teams. Gave up another big run at, uh, on special team, a return. But it got called back due to a penalty. Now, the Raiders are not going to get bailed out every single time. And later on in the game, you saw it. They had a big return, and it wasn't called back on penalty. They've got to clean that up. That's got to get shored up in a hurry because that could become a problem. Now, I thought that they did a decent job returning punts and kicks, more, more punts than kicks, but I thought they did a decent job returning. But, man, that's two weeks in a row that they've given us some big returns, and you're not always going to get a penalty to bail you out. So that's something that they definitely need to take away and say, hey, we've got to figure this out. They've got to stay in their lanes. Guys have got to be better at punt coverage and kickoff coverage. So, uh, But the penalties and the lack of penalties – has been very impressive to me. So, uh, Raider Nation, let us know uh, what your thoughts, 702-365-9200. Also, the Salmon Ass text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Let's go ahead and go into one of our first locker room interviews that we had on Sunday, and I uh, love having the locker room back open. I was able to talk to Deron Harmon, talk with Jarrett Stidham, talk with T. Billy, Tyron Johnson, talk with John Simpson, and Malcolm Kuntz. Here was my one-on-one conversation with safety Deron Harmon. Here in the locker room with Deron Harmon and Deron, you almost had a pick. You almost had it. I know for a guy who's a ball magnet, man, that must you must have hated that ball bouncing off for your hand. Sure, man. But you know, it, sometimes it bounces your way, sometimes it don't. Um, Jayon did a great job of making a great play on the ball. It was a low ball. Got his hands up on it. I was driving the receiver. And sometimes, you know, when you're doing your job, the ball just bounces the other way. It but just it's happens all good. like that. I know eventually it's gonna go my way. No That's doubt, no is. doubt. What did you think about the first game in the Legion Stadium, it, it being uh, being a Raider? Man, it was amazing. The atmosphere was crazy. Uh, how packed it was, I was very surprised because, yeah. you know, you get most preseason games where 
it's half full. Right. But when I came out to warm up, I was like, man, it's already half full. And then mm -hmm. when we came out the tunnel, it was packed, man. So I'm looking forward to being able to really, you know, play with the team, do everything I can to help us win and do everything we can to get wins for the Red Nation. How can that crowd energy help you as a defender and help the defense when you need that big play, like down by the yeah, goal line? For sure. That, just the energy, how loud they get, making it hard for the offense to communicate. Um, and just like when you feel that energy, no matter if you're tired, no matter if the play, the, you know, the, the series is not going your way. There's something about that home field advantage where you can utilize it. And it, it just it brings something up out of you to where, you know, when you think you might not be able to do something, you can. Right. And you know what it looks like the defense is supposed to look like. You've been in the system. Mm -hmm. How do you think it is right now after two preseason games? Uh, we're, we're headed in the right direction. Right. Is it perfect? No. But we're we are having less mistakes um, than what we had when we first started in OTAs and even when we started in training camp. So the only thing we can do right now is look at the film tomorrow to correct the mistakes. And then uh, the next opportunity we get, just uh, keep making less and less mistakes. At practice every day, what we hear is communicate, communicate, communicate. I hear all that from the defensive coaches. Yeah. How important is that to be able to have that communication? Very important, especially in this defense. This is not a defense where, you know, it's one or two calls. And, you know, there is adjustments on each and every play. Um, with motions, uh, with stacks, with bunches. And, you know, Josh does a good job of um, challenging us on offensively or defensively, um, making us communicate with all the different formations and motions that he gives us. So it's been really good. Safety Jerron Harmon right there following the game in the Raiders locker room. And, man, I can't say it enough how much I'm going to enjoy being back in the locker room. I'm actually a little uh, upset that, I won't be at the game on Saturday. The game's in Miami, and myself and, uh, and DeMond, we actually have a show that we're going to be doing at the Ahern Hotel uh, here in town on Saturday as a pregame, pregame show, similar to what we did last year from the Torch at Allegiant Stadium. We're going to be doing it from the Ahern Hotel this upcoming Saturday, so I'm not going to be on the road, and that means I'm not going to be able to bring you locker room sound because that is going to be one of the biggest features. And I'll tell you right now, there's people that – are at the game covering the game in the press box that choose not to go into the locker room following the game, and I think that they're doing themselves a disservice. You know what I mean? Because this is, it's a hell of an opportunity, and really to be able to just, like I just sit, did right there with Deron Harmon, you know, he was he just finished getting dressed and everything, probably going to leave in a few minutes. I said, hey, man, you got a couple minutes. It doesn't have to be 8, 10, 12 minute long. It doesn't have to be a super long interview. You just get a couple minutes with, you know, a guy that was out there making some plays like Deron. I mean, he's a guy, I've said this a million times, one, I'm going to enjoy talking to him throughout the course of the year. He's a guy that I look forward to talking to because he's really a guy that's going to break down uh, and, and tell you what he's seeing, what, what's going on out there, and he knows what it looks like. Like I told him, he's a guy that's been in this system. He knows what it's supposed to look like. He knows when it's going right or wrong. So I'm looking forward to talking to him throughout the course of the year, but he's also a guy that's going to create a bunch of turnovers. And I say a bunch. I don't know how many that is. I don't know if that's five. I don't know if that's six. I, I don't know. But he's a guy, just like on Sunday, the ball will find him. And the ball hit him in the hands. It was funny. It hit him in the hands a little high, bounced off his hands, and then Jayon Brown almost came up with the interception as well, a little tip drill action. Uh, it fell harmlessly to the ground. But next time that ball is going to – it's going to get picked off. At one of these, these points, it's going to get picked off. It's something that they work on in practice. You know, and it's funny because going back to, to last season, last training camp, we talked a lot about – the Raiders' defense needs to find a way to come up with turnovers. And Gus Bradley was like, yeah, we're going to, you know, we're, we're practicing getting the, the ball out. And uh, I think it was like fast, physical ball out. That was the, the three, uh, you know, the little saying that they had. Fast, physical ball out. That's what they wanted to do. And ball out meant get the ball out. But what I saw in practice from the regime last year, they weren't practicing that. 
They weren't practicing getting the ball out. They weren't practicing high-pointing the ball. They weren't practicing stripping it. They weren't practicing a lot of things like that. This regime is doing that. They're working really hard at it. They're, they're, they're stressing ball security, and they're stressing trying to get the ball out. And again, there's some drills that we're watching and happen right in front of us where they're high-pointing the ball, and they have a, somebody else trying to, trying to knock the ball away from them so they can't get it. So they, are, they have an emphasis on that. So I feel like when you have an emphasis on that, even if it's on accident, you're going to come away with a more, couple more turnovers than you did a season ago, right? Yeah, especially when it comes to, like, the linebackers. Like, Jayon Brown, him almost getting that interception as well yeah. yesterday because he could have easily have picked it off too. Yep. With that cover three system, I think it was just too much bend, don't break. Just stay in your position. So don't give up the big play. But when you're not giving up the big play, you're not focusing on making the big play either. Right. Exactly. That's a good point. And so we'll see – how that translates, but I think Jerron Harmon is a guy who's going to create some good turnovers for the Raiders' defense and, uh, and help set up guys to be in position to create turnovers as well. And, again, if the Raiders, especially in division games, could steal a couple extra possessions, they're going to go a long way. They're stealing, stealing a couple extra possessions is going to be a really big deal. 702-365-9200. Let's go out to the phone lines and talk to Houston in L.A. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, hey, what's up, Cube man? Dude, I'm like, preseason, you know what I mean? First of all, shout out to my guys out here, man. Came all the way from Atlanta, my dude, and he came to hang with your boy and all that good stuff, man. We just talking to that radio talk. We got another guy hard up in there named Boozer, and we got G in the house. All right, now, after that, as far as the plays, man, like, we got third stringers out there that, they know what to do, and the linebackers was getting ran through like hot butter. Defensive line, couldn't hold it. I kind of like a couple of those DBs out there, man. I mean, I still give them a little respect, but, you know, some of those passes are getting caught too, man. I mean, I ain't nervous yet because we got plenty of time to fix situation, you know, control the bleed, man. Just because we hire somebody in from another squad, they may be just as washed up or anything like that because we still have key talent in the linebacker position. But I don't want to see that kind of squad out there, man, week one versus the Chargers and all that heat, bro. I know we can do better. That's all. Got you. Good call, my man. Appreciate you. And, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the beauty of it. And Joshua Daniel said something about that following the game. Hey, it's, this is not a finished product. The guys that uh, were starting on, on uh, Sunday aren't necessarily guys that are going to be starting on September 11th and vice versa. Guys that, you know, aren't starting right now, they could be out there. I mean, they've got an idea of what they're working on. But at the same time, you know, it's just it's, it's, a, it's a work in progress. They're trying to put everything together. So uh, it, we'll see. We'll see exactly how it all shakes out. Uh, 3.39 is the time. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll, uh, I want you to hear something from Brian Baldinger. He had a really good breakdown. He had it set up for TV, so it's like a film. You, it's a film study that he does. He does a great job for NFL Network. It was out on Twitter, but his descriptions are really good, and I think that you can close your eyes and get a really good visual of what he's talking about just by the audio and by the description of the plays and what Josh McDaniel's offense, what they're trying to do. And uh, it's funny because Amber Theo Harris, who joined us at the top of the hour, she was talking about everything Josh McDaniels does is from the inside out. And this is basically what Brian Baldinger is backing up. We'll do that all next here on Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Been asking the question about what position group do you think is going to be the toughest when it comes down time to make roster decisions? 
I'm running with the run back, running back crew <laughs> straight up. Like that running back room I think is going to be the most difficult decision because it's not that it's just a lot of bodies. It's There's a lot of talent. There's a ton of talent in that room. Like I can see a, I can see a role for Amir Abdullah. I can also see him getting cut. You know what I mean? Like I can see exactly how he could play on this team and be a really good factor. But I could also see him being released because it's a numbers game. It's just it's so it's it's so much talent. Britton Brown is a seventh round pick out of UCLA. And he's making a name for himself. He's making an argument of why he should be on the squad. Not the practice squad, but the squad squad. But I could easily see him being one of those guys. Yeah, you got some great work on film. Yeah. And maybe someone else will give you that opportunity. For sure. Because it's just so stacked in that running back room. Exactly. So I could see him I could see him being a guy that they try to stash on a practice squad and a team all of a sudden gets banged up at running back and says, hey, let's go get that guy. I mean, there's so many different scenarios that are playing a factor here. That's why I look at the running back room and say, yeah, I, I think that's going to be the toughest decision. Big Deuce hit us up on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Hard to say just one group as we have a lot of good players in many positions. So there will be some dang good players getting cut. Also, what was up with that field? It looked like crap. That's from Big Deuce. And, yeah, a lot of people hit me up about the, about the field conditions. And uh, there's been a lot of soccer games played uh, in Allegiant Stadium between the end of last season and, and yesterday. And that's the reason why the field looked like that. The soccer field or the soccer games have basically tore up the field. That's going to all be resided before the season starts. Nothing to worry about. Uh, T. Billy talked about it uh, a little bit during the, the locker room session that we had with them, and he said it wasn't that bad. Yeah, it could be better grass, but it wasn't that bad to play on. But uh, it's going to be all taken care of, so it's not really a big deal. But that was the reason why it looked like that. Some people said, uh, I think they needed to water that thing. It looks a little dry. And it was, it was really just basically, like I said, uh, the, soccer, the soccer activities, soccer games that were on that field uh, really, really made that happen. So uh, thank you so much, Big Deuce, for that, uh, that text. I appreciate you. Now, wanted to let you hear – what Brian Baldinger, who does a great job with Baldy's breakdowns, does a great job. He's been a guest on the morning tailgate before with Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor, and uh, Heidi Fang as well. Uh, and he just he's really good at fo- uh, film breakdown. He was probably the guy who gave Max Crosby the, the Condor nickname. Uh, he's been on Crosby for a long time. Well, this time he was talking about Josh McDaniel's offense. And, again, this is really good. If you're following him on Twitter, he always has the film breakdowns. And he'll say, oh, look at this. Look right here. and Look at this guard pull. Or look at this. Or look at this center make this move so it's again made for tv but the 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 descriptions and what and the action that's going on in these plays he breaks it down so well that you could picture it in your mind without seeing it at least i could so i wanted to make sure that we brought it to the table so you can hear what brian baldinger had to say about josh mcdaniel's offense and what they were trying to do on sunday don't concern yourself too much with who's on the field for the raiders let's just look at what they're working on all right because on this play right here you're going to get really max protection. You're going to get help from the back and the tight end. So Stidham can step up and make this play to Keelan Cole. All right? You like it. But if you watch how they're protecting here, watch Drake out here on the edge. Watch the tight end over here, Jesper over here on the, on the edge, helping out his right tackle. All right? Now, what you get is you get an excellent pocket. All right? James does a great job on the, on the twist stunt right here. And Stidham can step up and make a good throw. All right, concentrate on the good things. Now, here's an example, eye formation. All right, so Featherington's the fullback. All right, there's always going to be some eye formation. But let's just look at them front side here. Like this right here between Simpson and James, 
This isn't good. Like, they got to be better than this so that Harrison Phillips can't split them and take down Zamir White. All right, they know that. They've been around the league. Now, here you go. Play action fake. Look, watch the steps. The steps are important, and how they step is important. Watch the reaction by the linebackers. All right, linebackers are going to go with the flow. All right, show the ball. Linebackers flow. Now, watch Andre James. He steps around, and he's got DJ Wanham right here coming off the edge. Excellent. Excellent play action fake. Excellent job by James showing his athletic ability protecting the backside. Now, let's look at them in the run game. They got really basic in the run game. Power O, okay? So now you're going to get Cotton pulling. All right, good job by Jermaine right here and Simpson at the point. Here comes Cotton. Now, right here, Zamir White's got to break an arm tackle, and he does. All right, they run the exact same play the next play with Kenyon Drake. Now, it doesn't look quite the same. Double team at the point. Here comes Cotton. All right? And we, Drake finds the hole. The hole, that's it. Get right through it. Now, here comes counter Trey with Drake. All right, here's the tight end, Bowers. All right, and Cotton's going to pull. Got to make these plays work. This is, the, this is their playbook here. Here it is. You got a log, you get a log, and you bounce. There you go right there. Brian Baldinger with the breakdown. I don't know about you. I get juice just hearing stuff like that. I really do. You know, and it's so funny because, you know, many people have talked about it, but a lot of Josh McDaniel's offense comes off the same looks, right? And then he even, like you said, like you heard Baldy say, they ran the same exact play, you know, two plays in a row. Uh, it just it just had ended up with a different look, but but it's the same exact play, uh, just had a different blocking scheme that, that, that goes with it. Uh, so there's a lot of different ways to make things happen. And matter of fact, one of those plays that, that Baldy was breaking down was that fourth down run by Kenyon Drake right there. So, again, the offensive line has a lot of movement that it's doing, and, and that I think is going to help them as well. Uh, you know, there was a play in there that John Simpson and Andre James, they didn't do a very good job sealing the, sealing the, the, the defender off. And Zamir White ended up getting stopped for, like, no gain, right? I mean, and, and you heard Baldy say they know better than that. They can't. That can't happen. They've got to be better at the point of attack. So that's where, you know, you'll see the issues here and there. The, the offensive line, again, has to come together and make it all work. But I, I just thought that that was just a really good breakdown from Baldy and definitely, uh, definitely wanted to, to go ahead and bring that to the table. Also had a couple more text messages that I wanted to get to. Uh, Geese Mode hit us up at Salmon, uh, on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword r I think the most difficult cuts will be made from the trenches. We got plenty of numbers there, but very few stick out as true starters, both on O and D. We can't just get rid of guys if the plan is to roll with the heavy rotation. Is Sue still available to be signed at this point? He would, clar he would clarify the D-line situation for sure, and that's for Geese Mode. And, yeah, uh, Sue is still out there and available. I don't know if he's the guy that they're looking at or trying to target. Uh, I know that a lot of people were, were tweeting about him when they saw the Raiders' run D uh, getting gashed on, uh, on Sunday. Everyone kept saying, go make that call to Sue, go make that call to Sue. And maybe GM Dave Ziegler is, maybe he's not. I have no idea. Uh, we'll see what happens. Of course, they do have, as has been mentioned before, Jonathan Hankins and Bilal Nichols still coming back from the pub list. Are they going to make it back in time before the 23rd, or will they come back afterwards? If they come back after the 23rd, then it's all bad. You know, then they're going to miss at least the first four weeks of the season. If they come back before, then they're they're good. All bets are off. They can you know play immediately when they're healthy. So that's something to pay attention to. And I totally understand what you're saying about the the difficulty as far as the offensive line, and defensive line. But again, I think with the talent being very similar, I don't think that it's because there's it's just really deep 
with super talent, with guys that are just so good that hey, you gotta you know you've got to make sure that that uh you know you got all your guys in, in line. I just I, I don't think that the the talent is as thick at the offensive line and defensive line as it is in the running back room. That's why um, for me, I think at some point these guys are going to really separate themselves. You know, there's either either you can play or you can't. Right. I mean, it's just one of those things. And um, there's there's depth. But when I talk about depth, I usually talk about like quality depth, you know, not just a guy. And I feel like that there's there's guys that are closer to being just a guy as opposed to being real deal quality depth. Like if there's a guy on that offensive line that gets cut or released uh, when the 53 men come out, are they going to get immediately picked up by another team or are they going to sit around for a while? I think it's just my gut feeling that they're probably going to sit around for a while. But that's just me. So, uh, but thank you for that that text, my man. I definitely appreciate you. Um, got a text from the four hundred eight. What's your prediction on how many each position will keep on the fifty three man roster? Some positions deep and tough choices. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not even at that point right now. I'm not even at that point where I could throw a numbers game out there. I know some people do it as soon as preseason starts. I like to wait till after the last game. They've already made a few cuts, and you know, I, I think we'll see a lot. Maybe in this game against Miami. Because it is the third preseason game for the Raiders, but it's only the second game for most, right? And so that third preseason game is usually the one where you see the most. Maybe it won't be till the Patriot game. They're going to be scrimmaging that week of the Patriot game as well, which I think is awesome. I mean, I think that that's really good. And I, and I know that the coaching staff gets probably more out of that than they even do preseason games. I think that'll be good to see them scrimmage uh, with the Patriots, and I'm sure that we'll be able to get a pretty up-close-to-personal look at that as it's going on throughout the week. And you remember they had that scrimmage last year against the Rams, and that's when uh, that's when Roderick Teamer really made a name for himself because he was basically the guy in there uh, creating a bunch of the fights. And not that they want fights, but he was putting his his you know his body in there, and he was just – really being physical, and they like that edge that he brought to the table. Again, they're not out there purposely trying to fight, but that edge that Roderick Teamer brought, I think it helped solidify him a roster spot. Now, unfortunately for him, he got injured uh, throughout the course of the year, so he wasn't available as much as they'd like. Got injured earlier this year, but uh, he is back, and he was out there in action on Sunday. So we'll, we'll see what happened. Also, Hunter Renfro had a hell of a time going up against Jalen Ramsey last year in those scrimmages against the Rams, even though it was downplayed as, oh, not a big deal, and, oh, Hunter was – you know, doing whatever, and Jalen was working on some other things. I think, you know, you turned it into what you saw from Hunter throughout the course of the year. Maybe there was something to what he was doing against Jalen Ramsey in that scrimmage. And going back to making that 53 roster prediction now, I just pulled up the depth chart. It's too hard, let alone for <laughs> me. Like, maybe I could do the five-guy cut, like, right now. I could do that. I could cut maybe five, maybe even ten right. players. I could look at the depth chart right now and say, hey, yeah, these ten guys probably aren't going to be on the final 53. But to right. go any further than that, it's just too hard. I agree. No, I, I agree 100%. It is very difficult. That's why I said I'm not even at that point right now. 3.56 at the time. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, kick off hour number three of the show. We're still going to hear from T. Billy. We're still going to hear from John Simpson. We're going to still hear from quarterback Jared Stidham. And Raider Nation, we're going to hear from you as well. 702-365-9200. Sam and Ash text line is 69187, keyword R&R. What position group will be the toughest when it comes time to make roster decisions. Let us know about it. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.